Hello and welcome. Today, Future Fix is looking at how our connection with our environment can contribute to health. Now, I'm sure this is something that you must have heard talk about somewhere recently. It's the subject of a lot of scientific investigation at the moment, and clinical experts are increasingly advising us to spend more time in natural environments to improve our emotional, physical and mental well-being. While visions of hardy sea swimmers or maybe forest bathing might spring to mind, we don't actually have to embrace the wilderness to reap the benefits. And today is a case in point. We'll be making our connection with nature through Cranmore's community garden, right in the centre of Sligo Town. I've been lucky enough to get to join in with a workshop organised by Cranmore's community development worker Connie Nell looking to establish a tree nursery. I got to tag along with an enthusiastic group that was off to the beautiful walled garden in Kilglass in County Sligo to get a flavour of what's achievable in a community-based project. Right guys, I'd like to welcome you all to Kilglass House in Woodland. We're just going to do a, a quick tour of the garden now. And uh, so just over 10 years since this place uh, was taken over. And when they moved in, it was in rack and ruins. It was, this whole thing was full of briars. Mm. This bit was all grass. There was holes in the roof. There was no roof on this. Year by year, a little bit has been done every year. A little bit has been invested back into the garden after the veggies are sold, a few grants and stuff. And it has slowly evolved into this wonderful, wonderful place that we have now. This is a nature sanctuary in here, but as well as that, it's a head sanctuary. It's great for everyone that works here and anyone that comes in. You can, as well as the wall garden, you can get away to the woods. And there's something special about trees because this is all connected in with the tree nursery that we're going to start up. And uh, like, there's nothing better than to come to the woods to let your troubles and your woes float away. You know, you just sit in there and you relax. The butterflies, you can hear the buzzing bees and hoverflies in the woods. We'll be going up looking at uh, badger sets. We have a big family of badgers that live in here. They're all in bed now at this time, so don't worry, we won't be introducing you to any of them. But uh, they, they do come out at night and forage around the woods and stuff. Uh, we have lots of foxes, long-eared owls in here as well. There's a, there's a family of long-eared owls that I've been watching over the last eight years in here. And they do fantastically in here because I was saying we have the big house there that is a, a major uh, maternity roost for pipistrelle bats. And uh, the owls take advantage of that and they feed on the bats. And the poor bats have it tough because uh, we have sparrowhawks in here as well. And I have, over the last few years, noticed the sparrowhawk does the evening shift. So the bats just come out just before dark and the sparrowhawk is sitting there and takes two or three bats. And then the sparrowhawk goes to bed and then the owl tags teens and comes in and the owl eats some bats. But they're doing very well, it's a fantastic spot. And it's like for biodiversity around here, it's amazing. You know, it's the dragonflies, the butterflies. We can see them all when we go out into the woods. So we won't keep you waiting. We'll take a, take a little scroll around the garden and we'll see what we can find. Before we get stuck into this glorious workshop, I think it might be a good idea to meet a few members of the Men's Shed who make a real contribution to Cranmore's community garden. 
a sociable, industrious spot on the corner of Devon's Drive and the Cranmore Road, which welcomes all comers from the area. We can get out of the house, yeah. It's ideal for our age group. We go every week, yeah. Tuesday and Thursday. Oh, there's work, there is work to be done, yeah. Tastes and vegetables. And tomatoes, bees, all, every sort of vegetable, you know, cabbages, all different. There's grass that has to be cut around together. We should leave bunches of grass, like for the birds and bees, because everything is, is gone wildlife now. Well, I retired here, way back, some time back. I'm more or less into the soccer here in Sligo, it's like a rovers and things like that. And I was 40 years employed at the job, you know. But Connie got in touch with me, you know, then I went down to her and I got to know all those people. And you know, it's, it's great and friendly, very, very friendly. When you start to look around, especially like in the lockdown, when you weren't going anywhere you weren't going and you had anywhere, time yeah. to just have a look around yeah. and see what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like coming in here, it's the same thing, and having a little chat even so sometimes yeah. we wouldn't be doing very much. Yeah. But at the same time, to come in and have a chat, it's no more than just having a look around and even to enjoy what we set or what somebody else planted and have a look at it and see how it's, it's growing or whether, whether we think it's right or, or it's not doing as well as it should. You know, so it just kind of broadens your attitude on, on life. We're doing it at our, at our own pace. Like, we don't have to be keeping up with the, the youngsters there that are digging out it all and throwing it all over. You know, that we can, yeah, that we can work naturally we're all in around the same age we all go at our own at our same pace like all of us are at that so it is it's it's a way of just getting out and good for your mental health fresh air, yeah. Oh, yeah. we had a biodiversity course last year that was a joint one with the cooperative here and I found that very interesting now. we had a few nature walks and it's amazing what you, you see that you know you're walking by them every day of the week yeah. and you don't see them until they're pointed out to you that the first lockdown we had was you know when we were confined to the houses and we got interested in the wildlife then and, and there's an old shed beside beside us and a lot of uh, swifts and swallows oh, nested yeah. in it so got interested in that and it's amazing when you, you have nothing to do and you can just look at it and things like that i have the time now i i, I would have had a busy life when i was my working life i worked in the newspaper industry and it was very busy and i was also a a carer for quite a quite a number of years on a part-time basis first and 10 years in the end uh, full-time before my wife died and it took up a, it was very hard to find time to do anything. Biodiversity expert Dahi Lavelle has been on hand for a series of workshops to develop the tree nursery and here at Kilglass he is in his element offering expertise and enthusiasm in equal measure. We decided to put this pond in. There was about four or five of us digging this out. It's about three foot, four foot in the middle. Uh, we made the pond, levelled it off. We got the pond liner, we got a grant for that. Uh, we laid carpet underneath it and paper. Uh, you can see the, see the dragonflies laying their eggs there. Every time they dip, they're laying eggs. So um, we, uh, we filled it with, the, we harvest water off the, off the roofs here. So the t- pipe came down, took a few days to fill it up and uh, we went to a local pond and got one bucket of water from that local pond and there was some of that weed that, uh, weed that you see yeah. everywhere in there and uh, we put that in and the first year it was quite quiet. We went to, I went out to the bog and uh, after, the, after the rain and you know how frogs are laying any dry mm-hmm. spot so I just picked frog spawn from areas that were going to dry out. That, that it was doomed. So I brought brought just two clumps of frog spawn in here. Another friend went off to Mayo because he thought it'd be funny to put some Mayo frogs in here as well. I don't know how they got on it. I think they're hybridized at this stage. But uh, it did well 
the tadpoles yeah. came and every year now there's a sight the frogs all come back laid the tadpoles uh, newts moved in the dragonflies pond beetle it is so rich with life this pond and it benefited the garden greatly because the frogs they eat slug eggs yeah. And uh, the newts and all the all the creatures in here are beneficial to getting rid of the pests in the garden. Okay. So this pond is playing two roles. It's absolutely beautiful. It's increasing mm. biodiversity in our garden, but it helps to to cut down on the pests in the veggie garden. So it's a it's a natural role. So it has oh, worked yeah. its purpose. And doesn't it look beautiful? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, we were struggling trying to find lily pads. We went to the garden centres and they couldn't get us the native white lily pad. And eventually a lady up the quay said we can come and take a few cuttings out of her pond of the native white lily pad. You see that when the sun's coming out now, you see, see the flower pods, they'll, yes. they'll open up, they'll be open in the afternoon. Yeah. And it's an amazing little thing. The bees will come down, sit on the lily pads and drink and the frogs and dragonflies. And it just... That uh, multiplies it, is it? Pond weight? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, it, 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 you have to keep lifting it. So what, with the pond weight, there's a lot of rain now in it. Yeah. But say if we've got winter two weeks of no rain, the water is dropping that pond and the pond weight will compress really hard. So what you do is you come in with your rake and you kind of rake, rake. it into a pile and you pile it up in the pond. So yeah. any life that's in the pond weight works its way down yeah. to the pond. You leave it a day or two and then you take the top off it. So it works that way. But if, if that was left alone, it would, uh, it would strangle the whole pond. Yeah. But uh, it's an amazing little thing. We went out, we gathered some yellow flags uh, from, from the surrounding area, a few ferns from the woods and bits and yeah. there's some ladies mantle in there and the different uh, this meadow suite over there with the see the white mm. flowers which is a really mm. beautiful smell so all the plants kind of kind of developed and let it go uh, the kids used to love this I remember the first year I think we've had an open day in here I think I pulled three kids out of the pond before <laughs> one o'clock <laughs> they all enjoyed themselves two went feet first and one always had to go head first <laughs> so the, the legs were grabbed on that one and reversed them out but uh, there's always there's always one or two kids that will uh, end up in the pond uh, I remember I was here one night as well I used I come down at night time to the pond because when I head torture my head you come down at daytime and everything sees you and disappears yes. you come down at night time with yeah. a head torch on they can't see you because of the light and you can count the newts and whatever creatures is in here it's an amazing time to come to the pond it's a different sense the owls you turn your head torch around and there'll be a set of headlights in the trees there looking mm. back at you with the owls watching you the bats coming in flying over so at night time is an amazing time to come down to the pond so if any of the ponds or whatever and you want to look and see what's in it head torch on mm. and down at night time who would like to see more of these in in towns and estates imagine a pond like this lovely yeah we left it shallow at the sides and deep in the middle because in case we got a really bad frost to have more area for it. Uh, the depth doesn't as long as you have sides that, that we grew the plants down that the, some frogs and newts have to leave the pond again mm. for winter. Next you're going to hear from Helen. Now she worked as a community development worker in Cranmore for many years and she's kept in touch with the co-op through the community garden. You can almost feel how inspired she was by this gorgeous garden in Kilglass. She's all fired up with ideas to bring home to Cranmore. When I went into the walled garden, I looked and I saw how immaculate it was. Mm. The grass was immaculate. The trees were all in formation. And I thought that was somebody's vision and they have completed their vision. Mm. And 
we have our vision so let's keep one step at a time for me it was my god i could see the hard work because we had talked about getting a pond as well and you can visualize it then and you can say yes may not be today but we can we can work towards all that today was a huge learning process about all of the different vegetables that are there the seeds and all that and that's that's what's important to us now and the pleasure we get out of doing for ourselves it's in in the doing that you get the pleasure my shoulders are sore from even from pulling the hose because I'm 69 now do you know and yet at night you're in the house and if it has been a day like today you think of them as your babies the flowers and you've grown them from seed in the polytunnel so you're not going to leave them and you know what's lovely I have photographs of uh, the one little patch that James and I did and I said oh sure I don't know whether these will grow we'll bring put them out James and now it's overflowing (laughs) there's not room for anything in it there's such a different uh, connection when you grow it and you see it in the polytunnel. Before that, it was all a sort of fast track. Put the seeds in, put plastic over it, get them to grow quick. Oh, isn't that great? It's not like that at all. We put them in the polytunnel now. We do everything naturally. I'd love to um, progress the herb garden more, like they had rosemary and mm. all of that. But you can see the work that was put in in the vegetable patches Huge. and in the growth of the flowers, the lilies and all of it. So, we can do that too they have 15 CE workers we're only looking for two and you do need Mm -hmm. new blood young ideas it'd be great if if we do get them so hopefully we will the community garden also benefits from the work and energy of Joe McDonough he too can see the potential for replicating some of what has been done at Kilglass in Cranmore it's all right depending on volunteers to a large extent but you do have to have a core group I've been involved here in Cranmore since uh, 1984 and we saw the need for men's groups. The women's groups always, always seemed to thrive mm-hmm. but men's group we had three or four attempts before we actually got the, the men's group off the ground. It is hard to get men to look after themselves. There's a lot of help out there for men but they just don't seem to be interested in taking it. You find a lot of men when they're retired they just become couch potatoes and that's basically what we're trying to combat. It's been very, very difficult and COVID didn't help it. A lot of sheds, and it's not just in Sligo, but around the country, and there are a lot of them are, will never reopen again. A lot of them have lost premises and things like that. A few more chats as we explore further in Kilglass. And it's very plain to me that the community garden and the men's shed are working for the physical, mental and emotional well-being of those living nearby. The members are very happy to tell me how it adds to their health. For James, the men's shed gave him a lifeline when he had a life-changing stroke. I heard about this place, but I never was in it. Okay. But I was delighted I came to it now. You know, <laughs> I didn't expect it to be as good as it is, but it is very good. I enjoy it, yeah, I do enjoy it. I go down two or three days a week. It's pastime, kind of, you know, bits yeah. and pieces to be done around the garden. I, I was always a garden man anyway. Okay. I'll, you know, yeah. any bit of painting is done. All the yeah. colleagues do is say, James, look, I want this or that on. I have no problem yeah. doing it, kind of, you know. It keeps me going for an hour or two. I hate to be sitting around. I like to be doing some little thing, you know. Nearly two years ago, I took a stroke. But thanks to God, only for my wife and daughter got me, got me to the hospital quick. Probably wouldn't be as good today as I am now. It hit me very bad. As I drive for a medical company, Unifair and Sligo. I was working with them and the whole lot on the road and came back that evening. It was perfect. 
sat down, sitting room, had talk, chat, you know, watch TV, a few programs, got up, go up to the bathroom. I hit the cabinet first, but passed no heat. I passed away. I just stumbled kind of. Halfway up the stairs, I lost the whole balance. Only for my wife, heard the bang in the hallway and came out. So the wife rang down straight away. So they were out, out like a shot. Uh, I knew one of them that's been, I knew him to see you. I couldn't put a name on him at the time, but I said, I know you, I know you very well. And he, said, he told me who he was, he was from out of car road and things like that. He was chatting away to me and things like that, and he kept me going and things like that, and got me to the hospital. Right. Thanks be to God. Thanks to the doctors and nurses. They looked after me very, very well. I can, I can give them 100% of everything they've done for me. Fair play to them. So I'm happy enough the way I am. Now it took a while, it took a long, long time for me to get used to it because I was always a man getting up at 6 o'clock. Go to work, leave the house about half 6, 27, down to work, quarter to 8, sunny down the road for me, hop into the van, two runs a day. I was happy enough with it. I was 20, what, 22 years and um, I enjoyed every bit of it. It was, a, it was a tough thing decision to make, but with all the talk on the wife and all, I was down with myself and then and she said, look, the best thing to do is give up the work, she says, and just take it easy for yourself. You worked hard enough down through the years, which you did. I got three daughters to school and college and the whole lot, and they're good jobs. So I didn't like, wouldn't like it to happen to anybody, but as I suppose, as my wife said, it happened just, you know, when you yeah, had everything done, yeah. kind of, and the whole yeah. lot. No, I'm, I'm delighted now. I'm, I'm enjoying myself more better now than what I was. And my wife said, well, you need an outlet. And I was saying, I ah, know, no, I don't. She <laughs> pushed me a good bit, but I, I'm delighted now she did push me. It did work out for me, and you need it for your health. You need everything, yeah. a, a bit of fresh air for your health and all like that. And I said, uh, do I? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> <Yes. laughs> you know, and then, no, no, she's right. And my daughters are right as well. Look, they say, Dad, look, you need a bit of, a bit of something to do. You know, take me time. <laughs> you know, look at all the different things and say, oh, shit, that's the last day I must have missed or something like that. You know, you see you see things, you know, I've never seen before. You always, I'm more interested in things now than I used to have. I lo- see, I like gardens and all like that because when I was small, Young lad, um, I used to go down for my uncles and my grannies down in Balsadir, and she had a big garden at the back, and she had she had apple trees in it. And I used to go up and pick the apples up and down. She used to pick lovely apple tarts. She used to grow her own rhubarb. She had rhubarb out the back as well. She'd have uh, strawberry trees and gooseberry, black currant trees, and the whole lot growing there up. It's nice memories yeah. there now, too, especially the apple tree garden. It's nice, you know, to put back memories there now to me, all right. She made jam and oil. Oh, she made jam. Oh, she made pots of jam. Everybody in Bansford, I think, had a pot of tour jam. She used to say to me, go over, go over the town there. She says, if anyone's looking for jam, tell them I have jam for them. They can have it, no problem. Give and take, you know. The community garden also offers a link back to the past and to the land for many of the men who were raised in rural Sligo. And that tradition is sewn back into the beds and the potty tunnels at Devon's Drive. Here are Pat and Tom. We used to have a wood at the back of our house, carrying off wood, the badgers and the foxes. And I lived in the Sligo in 66, October 66. I had a fairly big garden when I moved in. I used to set cabbages, potatoes, onions. That brings back good old memories to me. Yeah. It's a small little farm. Chickens, turkeys, and we raised turkeys. They would be selling and be an odd person who would have one ordered off us. Then if there was any left over, she might bring it to the mart. And... You put some of them up in the carriage for Christmas. But there was people that had acres of land in my school. And that. We're never bored. <laughs> it was nice where I grew up now, I must say. I really liked it down there now, you know. Lovely people. And, you know, but we still keep kind of in touch with each other. My heart and soul is in Cliff. I grew up in a place called Curry. You'd have turnips, carrots, a cabbage. Uh, two, two, you'd have winter cabbage and you'd have uh, early, what's called early arc. Was the name of the earlier? Yeah, I could have heads of cabbage in, well, in June, July. 
Then the winter cabbage nearly through the winter. The winter cabbage was very strong. It needed a couple of nights of the frost, and it was changing it to make it more eatable. It's often up with, yeah? Cattle, sheep, cattle and sheep, and a donkey. Yeah, there was the transport. This time of year, now we're bringing home the turfers, donkey and cart. It's, that's, that's worn out now. I was doing woodwork, so I made my own donkey cart. After two or two years, anyways, I seen it out in the garden. My brother had changed everything. He had a, he had a car, and, and he had a little trailer behind. Sold the donkey, yeah. He wanted a more modern thing. When you think back, it was such a disappointment that this thing has changed so much. Because they the, the, the baked the bread, they made their own butter, they had a take a dash, someone gives you a break, like, make their own butter, better eggs, butter, bread. Just the meat, meat things, meat you'd have to buy, like. No, everything was fresh. We kill a pig for Christmas. They have them, what they call tea chests, they're a big square box, and all that will be sorted. Well, held sorted. So it's staying in down in the cool in the cool room, and it should keep until, sometimes it usually lasts too long. <laughs> we, had, we had a van from Charlestown, Tony Collins would come around with food, and he'd buy off the eggs egg. But every Saturday. Oh, they're, they're the aubergines here, aren't they? Yeah. Pamela tidied that up the other day, and anything that's tidied up, any of the bits are planted on, and yeah. you can sell these then again, oh, you know? Yeah. Uh, they'd be seized, and oh, like they might be charred, yeah, yeah, drying it. There's some onion there, and different bits yeah. and pieces, so, yeah, this is where the kind of magic happens. Well, you see, the, it's been a lifesaver for me, the garden, because I would normally be outgoing and confident and whatever. And then when I was hit uh, through, you know, different life experiences that happened, uh, when I was hit then with this anxiety and panic attacks, which was not me. It was hard enough to actually connect with your family. You'd make the effort for that, but for anything outside of the home, you're thinking, when you're feeling low, what's the point? And that was a real connection point for me, because you, you did it, you were in your own space, it was your own time, your own pace, mm. and I found it just reconnecting with everybody and reconnecting with life and just watching things grow and been part of that growth. You were part of something, but you could still be separate. Mm. If you can understand that, like when we go on the nature walks and whatever, you could, you know, listen to what Dahi had to say and take it all in, but you could still walk at your own pace and be in your own head. Same in, in the garden, you know, so like you were, part of something but it there was nothing enforced on you it was whatever was right for you on that particular day we did an upcycling course where we did painting and we we made different things and i just thought oh god if my mother were alive we used to say to my mother um, mammy uh, how about now joining that group and whatever and she'd say what have me sewn badges no, not at all. I said, Mammy, it's different now. They have hot whiskies and all in these groups. And when I was down one day at the at the at the upcycling course and I was pasting things on and you know but I thought this is actually soothing. It's actually soothing. I do everything in the morning. I do I, I get up early. I 
do whatever chores I have to do in the house. I go to Mass every day at 10 o'clock. That's my mindfulness. I sit at Mass and I stop off and it gives me an inner strength for everything for the day and it gives me a mindset of positivity. Yeah, and then I, I, I go to the garden, I do whatever I have to do and in the afternoon then I will rest. I open the window and I listen to all the sounds of Cranmore. I've lived in Cranmore all my adult life. Michael and Charlie go back more years than they cared to quantify to recall how Helen first approached them to set up the men's shed. They're still members of the group and they get great pleasure from the company that it offers. Okay, Helen came down to our house and yeah. asked me, like, would I be interested in it? There was men around that time then, retired and that kind of thing, or no work anyway. I decided I would and I went up to the centre on the day and there was 20 more up there. We started off as a men's group. We got the bungalow and we got funding to do it up for the men's shed. It was an ordinary house. So we've been here the last seven or eight years, have we? We come twice a week and no, this will not fit to win, so we have a cup of tea and a chat. <laughs> That's up to ourselves what we do, like, you know. We see what has to be done and we do it. And if we sometimes we see what has to be done when we don't do it. <laughs> but we get somebody else to do it maybe. The next book we're starting the exercise course. I'm waiting on a hip replacement. So it all the exercise won't suit me, but some of them will. Some ferment is over. Me and Mike now isn't too bad. We have families and all our kids around us and grandkids and some great-grandchildren, in fact. We can do something every day. But there is single men and that. Now we're, it's great for me and it's great for you, Michael. But if it wasn't here, we'd get on all right. Well, great. We used to go away and out and we would go to the Suffolk Park. And we're in Dublin, yeah. yeah. A couple of weeks ago, we're in Strokeshan House. It was very good, yeah. And good the day. meal on the way home, and everything was so interesting up there, like, you know. The place you went to is the Museum of Country Life. We all took an interest in art, still doing art for about seven or eight years. All of these activities and outings really add to the richness of the lives of those involved, and they invite them into worlds that they might never otherwise have the opportunity to consider. Health experts emphasise how important this is for our mental capacity as we get older. We spawned a lot of other activities. Some of them got interested in golf and things like that, and we have a couple of them that went to golf. There were several attempts to have walking groups, uh, but we, we've got a, a good group, an East City walking group now, which works goes on a Thursday morning uh, at 10.30 from the Riverside Hotel. We have a core group of probably 25 or 30 people. I'm involved in that one. And we had a trip to Strokestown House, the family museum and the house. It's, a, it's an excellent museum now. I recommend anybody to go to it to, to get, get the history. Uh, we were involved in a history project. A few of us got involved in it. I think there were four of us from the men's group got involved in that one and it was a very very interesting one about cross culture and what the, aspect of history was the project looking the into? project was looking into emblems the symbol of emblems and we've done uh, a podcast it's, 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 the podcasts are available on uh, YouTube at the, at the end uh, when we were due to go to Belfast for two days uh, Covid broke out and it was uh, we had to change our plans at the last minute. Now, 
which wasn't too bad, but we had to get out of Belfast because we knew everything was going to shut him down. We were in Royal Avenue at the Presbyterian uh, main church, and it was very, very interesting. But we got a very, very interesting tour of Belfast on both sides of the peace divide. And it opened my eyes and I learned a lot about Belfast. This is the kind of to and fro that generates lots of new ideas and enthusiasm. There's certainly plenty under discussion to keep us all ticking over here at Kilglass. So you notice in trees, when you see the trees growing out in the open, how spread out and open they are. Like when they grow in the woods, it's a race. It, it is actually a race in the woodlands for them to race for the light. So if you notice, this, everything, trees are tall and skinny in the woods. And like when they grow out in the open, they can go. Then stretch out, but not in here. Well, the crown of it is the smallest part of the That's tree. Right, yeah, yeah. If you turn the tree, yeah. if you've got a picture of that tree and yeah. turned it upside down, the like roots nice are far part. greater. Yeah. And one amazing thing about the horse and chestnut tree, it's like any other tree, you can throw tape around and measure the girth and do a, do a calculation that you can estimate the age. You cannot do that in a horse chestnut tree. You can see the twists in this horse chestnut tree. So this might have been four branches and it twists into each other and grows into one main bark. See this branch, another branch. So they would have joined up. Such an amazing tree, this would be well over 150 years old. Because under the ground, did anyone ever hear of uh, mycelium web? Mycelium web is a fungal web that travels under the ground, covers the whole area, and that tree communicates using that web. So the fungus can they can release can release nutrients to each other and support each other. So like a mother tree and her babies are around, growing around, she can give nutrients off through the mycelium web to them. But the mycelium web is very delicate. It's not deep under the ground. So modern agriculture is has it destroyed. Plows will break it up. So there was said there was one time that the whole country would have been connected through the mycelium web. If you want to Google it and stuff yes, when you get home, it's yeah. a m- mycelium web. It's like, it is, it's an amazing one. So people would laugh at you if you said years ago if I said, yeah, the trees all communicate with each other. But they do. They really, really, really do. After all of these contributions, I don't think I need to make a case for how our connection to the natural world and our environment is so linked with human health. It's certainly clear that Cranmore's community garden and its men's shed make for healthy individuals and a vibrant community. There was a gang of children there, you know, called handicapped children. They, they, they took some there. They were delighted. The first new potatoes like of the year. Now they have a, a pizza parlour over it. But they mean, and they'll cook the heat. You're surprised how much amount of heat that comes out. Sometimes we do other things like art down there, and you know, and more than one here, like I've been there underground since '74. Quite a lot of country people living in Cranmore. We kept it country. <laughs> For me, the, the social side of things in Cranmore is so important. Yeah. And you know, people look into the garden and they, they, they see the wild area and they say, God, would you think they'd keep that better? Because of the, the, the negative image of Cranmore, but we don't care about that. We know we're going the right direction, yeah. the biodiversity route. That's the important thing. When, when we did the course with Dahi, it was about um, our connection to all living things, all living things, and um, the diversity of life all around us was opened up 
when we, we did that course because, you know, even building the bug hotel, how easy it is. And what is important is that the children are learning this now. I'm looking forward to our community mass now. We're having it on the 25th of this month, so please God. We'll have the pizza oven going. The youth built that themselves. So I'm looking forward to uh, having that mass in the garden so the community can see what yeah. is going on there. I find nature is like a radio, you know? Unless you're tuned into that mm. frequency, you're not going to find what you're looking for. But once you get that frequency and tune in on it, you end up seeing it everywhere. Hear my heart you're interested in resonating at the frequency of the natural world, tune in again at this time next week. We'll be having a look at how the natural world is impacted by the way in which Ireland produces its food. Thanks for listening. I'll see you again then.